Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Turn with me to Acts 19. I'm going to continue on with what Henry's been talking about, speaking. And um, he has a very interesting story in Acts uh, that we're going to look at quickly. And uh, we're going to go from there. And I'd like to minister to a few people this morning as well. Let's see where God takes us. Um, the Word of God from the beginning has, and we read John chapter 1, where it talks about the context is, in the beginning was the Word. word. There was Word in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning wasn't the thought. Yeah. Now, the Word had the thought because He said God thought about you way before He created the heavens and the earth. So out of His meditative thought, He produced you. God thought about you. God knew you before He formed you in your mother's womb. So before you were ever created in this time and at this time, and for me it was like growing up, I didn't want to grow up in this era. Like I was born in the 70s, yes, but I wanted to have lived in the 70s. I thought there was the coolest clothes, the coolest vibe, the coolest music, everything that my parents had. Like I wish I grew up in that age. But that's not the context, though that might have been nice. I realized God had a specific purpose and destiny with my life in this time right now. Who you are, the kind of character you are, the person you are, your likes, your dislikes, all of that God wants to use. You don't have to be somebody else. You know, I don't know why I'm on this, maybe it will help somebody, but growing up in ministry, I always had the idea of what a, a pastor, a preacher, a, somebody that works for God looks like. And I didn't fit that bill. I didn't fit that in my character, I didn't fit that in my personality, I wasn't that serious. I liked all the weird stuff, I had a bunch of rings, different color hairs, the weirdest things that you could probably imagine. And for my parents being in a, in a very um, religious organization, they were in the Pia Pia Kaas. Ne? Have everybody ever heard of them? Permanente Problem Kinders. So, and then we had the AGS, Amol Gesteelde Skapen. And you, in Gier, in Gier, in Gier, in Gier, in Gier. Anyway, so... I had to nail everybody there. I can't just nail the pip your But growing up in that, coming to church, like the kind of style and the things were, just didn't fit the bill. So I really made it difficult for them. But I realized a long time after that, that when I started getting to know God, is that Jesus loves you just the way you are. And that God loves you just the way you are. And where you're at, He wants to use you. God wants to use everybody. Having a mic in your hand or standing on a stage that is not God's idea of being used Ephesians chapter 4 says that we are the position as as gifts unto the body that to train the body for the work of ministry so you call to minister you call to be the light you call to stand up no matter where you're at is to show forth the kingdom of God you know one person pushing a car is tough but a few people pushing a car gets the car moving right the context is we just the old idea was the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and those were the guys who needed to get the kingdom of God on the earth we're never going to see the kingdom that way the fullness of the kingdom needs to happen in a full body where everybody's operating in what God's called them to be uh, God's not into superstars you know we've had some great superstars in the church world or certain guys and even today there are some of them but the greatest move of God is happening amongst people not amongst church leaders. Church leaders are influencing church people, coerced body of Christ in every aspect to move. You don't just have a head and no body. We're part of a body, 
that the head is connected to the body. So whatever is in the head flows through. Christ is the head of the body, the church. So every single one of you are called. You're called by God. God wants to do something through you every single day, but not out of a religious thing, because I grew up in that too, where there was like, how many people did you lead to Jesus? It was like, you know, I didn't even have time to bath this week or breathe this week or cook this week. Or like, how could I even like get down to talk about Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Our lives are so crazy busy. And then religion comes and forces something on you. But when you realize that God is with you and He's touched your life and He's changed your life, your speaking changed, your life changed, everything changed, and people naturally know about Jesus around you because you've changed. Something about you've shifted. Now with that in mind, we're going to go here to Acts 19. It's a very interesting story here. Uh, verse 13 of Acts 19. Then some of the itinerary Jews, uh, exorcists, took it upon themselves. So how did they decide to do this? They were exorcists. So they were from a, the Jewish side of things. Um, if you even go into Catholicism or into the um, Judaism, there are those who cast out demons regardless of the fact of they don't do it in the name of Jesus. So if you go into that, you find that there are exorcists to do this. So these exorcists who were from, the Jew, uh, as, um, from a Jewish faith took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those that they had evil spirits. Um, sorry, of Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by Jesus who Paul preaches. So you know, these guys are using similar words than what was being used by the disciples. So they wanted to do, have a great effect, something really supernatural to happen. They thought like, we ain't getting everything right. So let's try this Jesus thing. We don't really believe in him. We really don't know. Maybe let's try and act. And they open their mouth and they start casting out demons. So it says, we cast you out in the name of Jesus. Then Paul preaches. And look what happens. Very interesting story. <laughs> Also, there were seven sons of Sceva and the Jewish chief priest who did, uh, who did so. So the Jewish chief priest was there as well. And the evil spirits answered. <laughs> you know you have a problem when the spirit speaks back to you. It didn't just leave. It just said, <clears throat> excuse me. Jesus I know and Paul I know. Who are you? <laughs> that is a huge problem right there. <laughs> In that moment, you're like, pick a door. Because you're leaving, okay? This is going to be so bad for you. Those demons got on them and tore them to pieces. All seven of them, the Jewish priests, they got beaten up by the demon in a bad way. But the context of the story is profound. Because we see that these guys are using the right words in a way. They say the name of Jesus. But they don't know who they're speaking about. They don't know in what authority they stand. They have no authority in the context of who they are as children of God. So it's like using the name of some, some company, something, uh, doesn't have the same authority. Because the context here is, listen what the demon answers. He says, I know Jesus. And I know Paul. Was Paul there? But the demon knew him. The demon knew about Paul when they said in the, in the name that, of that Paul speaks about. So we know Paul. I know Henny. I know Jesus. But who are you? <laughs> who are you? Where, what is the speaking that coming out of your mouth? I know the people you're talking about, but I don't know you. 
The context of this, we find a lot of people in the body of Christ hear something about speaking. They hear something that they come to church. They hear something, walk by faith. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it. And they go out and they start speaking things and nothing happens. Because they do not understand what authority they speak. Who they speak about. What they're speaking in. Acts 17 says, in him we live and move and have our being. There's the context of that in our time that's more, more real than any other generation before us. Do we understand who we are in? Do we understand what we're speaking from? We've got to speak. We've got to open our mouth. God spoke. Let there be light. God didn't just think it, meditate it, Buddha it. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just spoke it and it came to life. God didn't meditate you into being. God spoke. God opened his mouth and said, let there be light. And everything that he was meditating on, being on, that every bit of that was released in a moment. So the power of speaking is profound. We find that Jesus is confronted by the devil in the desert. Satan comes up to him and says, if you are the son, prove it. For 40 days and 40 nights, he's been meditating on his sonship because the last thing God said to him the moment he left the water was, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So for 40 days, what does Jesus meditate on one sentence? I am his son. I'm his son. I'm his son. I'm his son. I'm his son. I am his son. I am his son. Getting up in the morning, I am his son. I'm in the office. Oh, and he's, oh, I'm his beloved son. And he's very pleased with me. I'm, in that 40 days, was he hungry? Was he going through some stuff? It says at the end he got hungry. But let's put in context. If you're fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, no water, no food, no nothing... No time, mind running off. What is there any goodness that came along with the word? Meaning, what proved, just think about this, what proved in that moment that Jesus was his beloved son? Because many times we hear God is good, but now we want to see it. God is good and, and I, I get a Lamborghini. God is good and I, and I get plane tickets. No, that's probably not God being good right now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> The context is if we want to see something that affirms the fact that God is good in my life and that God is pleased with me. Me included. I've had this moment. We want to see something. And then from that position, I can talk. Because God's so good to me. Do you see? Did you see my Instagram feed? God's so good. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Come on, we got this idea of that when something happens. But scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. Scripture says we in Him we live and move and have our being. Not in our natural capacity of what that is. So when Jesus, after 40 days and 40 nights, meditating on the very fact that He is the Son of God, God is pleased with Him, He opens His mouth and speaks to Satan. And what does He do? He doesn't even quote the line and, and place of the Scripture. He just says, it is written. He opens His mouth and speaks truth. The moment He speaks it, Satan backs off. You see, two different things. One guy says, the seven sons, they were with the demon. They see, we preach in the name of Jesus. So they know Jesus. But the one who is saying it, they don't know him. We say in, there's power in the name of Jesus, right? But for those who believe it, not just Jesus. How many people use the name Jesus across the world? In a... Uh, in profanity, in, slack, uh, sl um, in slang, in context, people's names are Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> hey, Jesus playing soccer today. 
didn't realize it was him today. Jesus came back. He's a, he's a soccer star. How many people got the name Jesus? So many people. So the name in itself without the belief means nothing. Does the name have power? Yes, it has power. When speaking it, it does move mountains. It does have an effect. But the context is in who believes it. So we know Jesus. We know Paul. But who are you? In him we live and move and have our being. Go with me to John 1. Is that making some sense? Stirring. I love it. If Jesus quoted the exact place where it was written, we had trouble. Because then we needed to know exactly where it's written to quote it. And then that would have put a lot of Christians in a bad spot. Because there are some days I also don't know where it's written. I remember, okay, it's there because I haven't written and read it in a while. Then I, I know it's there, but I don't know exactly where it's at. I can still quote it. Because I know the word. So you're going to send the power of this right now. Verse 1 of John chapter 1. In the beginning. Not the beninging. <laughs> In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. It's interesting how he breaks this down. He talks about the context of this is right from the start. If you want to know if the chicken or the egg was first, it was the chicken. Okay. Because the chicken laid the egg. <laughs> the context is life was first. The life purpose of this, in the beginning was the Word. It doesn't say in the beginning was the Bible. The Bible contains the Word. But the Word lives in you. Jesus was the Word made flesh. So we're going to understand Word is the context that holds the power of what I read. I read text as the Bible, but when I get revelation, I've got Word. Are you getting that a little bit? In the beginning was the life, the Word, the power of what it was. It's revealed in text with your Bible. Is the Bible important? Yes. But not everything in the Bible is truth. Let me explain. Just reading, um, and they threw Joseph in the pit. It's true, that happened. But is that truth? Is it powerful truth? I can learn something from it, but not every line, what I mean, carries word in the context of power. So I can get into trying to find where everything's at, go into Israel. I went to Israel, maybe some of you have been to Israel. You get there, you expect, whoa, it's going to be supernatural, amazing, and you look and there's nothing. <laughs> you go down to Jordan and, mm, this is cool, this is nice, there's nothing. Go down to the grave, I look at the grave like, Wow, this is amazing, Jesus. I'm trying to look and feel the anointing when I look at the stone slab and, and I feel nothing. I'm like, this is a waste. What is going on here, Jesus? I was very distorted. I went down, I closed my eyes, and the moment I closed my eyes, I felt the anointing. Oh, did you get that? The moment I went into the Spirit, I felt the very presence. Jesus said, it's now to your advantage that I leave because now when I come back, I come within you. So I am now one spirit with him. His spirit lives in me. It's not in the context of the outward appearance of what I see. That moment I realized he's right here more than he is in the very stones of Jerusalem. Is it nice to go there? Yeah, that's awesome. But it's so much more than the fact that I'm living from him. In him I live and move and have my being. And when I start reading scripture from that place, scripture becomes real to me. It becomes life to me. It's not something of, I've got to read my word. No, I want to read my word because I want to understand who I am in Christ. 
You know, a lot of, a lot of places we, we, we build on the walking and living in Him. But the being, we left, leave that out. Who am I? I am in Christ. And Christ is in me. There is nothing that can separate me from His love. By His grace, I'm set free. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm blessed. The very context of that is the being. Because if I know who I am, I speak differently. I remember years ago, a little boy, my grandfather, this construction company. And so he, we would drive out with the truck and all the workers would be there and everybody. And then he, he would say to me, um, Sean, tell them to jump up. Jump on the back. We're going now on the big truck. So I would get out a little boy walking around him, seven years, six, seven years old. I'm like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Everybody jumps up and they jump on. And I'm thinking, yes, I've got so much power. I've got no power. Because if grandfather was not there, would I, anything that I say have any power? Nothing. But the boss is there. In the beginning was the word. Everything that was made was made through the word. There's an authority in you that carries weight behind your words. But if I know what authority I have in him, not separate from him, I can have all the talking, but then I'll be like the seven sons. Demon will slap me around, life will hit me up and down and I'm thinking there's no power in these words because what's going on? I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking and nothing's happening. But the more I know who I am in Him, the speaking changes. Jesus just quotes a line. He says, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word what that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God spoke first. God released first. God gave you a word out of His mouth. Now, who is his mouth in the earth right now? Us. He's got the answer. Us. We're his mouthpiece. We carry his words where? In our mouth. That when we speak, we're speaking as him. I was getting out of the van, walking up to the workers. Everybody's sitting there. And what do I say? Get up. Get on the truck. We're leaving. Whose words am I speaking? The one that sent me. Hmm. Whose words have you got in your mouth? That of the politician, Trump and the rest and everybody else and, and the politicians and the things and nature and what you read on the, on, the, on the newspaper or are you speaking the truth of what he's saying? Because if I understand that that is and I've made up my mind about that, the power of that is released in my life. So he goes, um, verse chapter 2, oh, sorry, um, 1 verse 2. Um, just finish on verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means the context of the Word is carried with Him, but it is Him. Let me just explain that. He doesn't say He is just the Word, because then we will not be partakers of the Word. He puts it in two, texts, two contexts there. He is the Word, and the Word was with Him. So when the word is released unto you, you are part of him, but it is your word too. They say we know Jesus and we know Paul. You're not standing, you know, when I grew up in religion, it was like, I'm this evil, bad person covered by Jesus, so God cannot see my evilness. That's how I grew up. So when I come into his presence, I don't come with boldness. I come, yeah, maybe boldness because he only sees Jesus. Some like like Harry Potter clothed in, in, a, in a, some cloth, some cloak, and, and like, God doesn't see me, God doesn't see me. Hey, I'm so evil inside, I'm so bad, I messed up this week. But he sees Jesus. Now it's all nonsense. He sees you clothed in Christ, but he sees you. 
He sees you standing before him. Welcome, Sean. You're in my presence. You have boldness. Why do I have boldness? Because I know that I'm washed in his blood. I know that there's nothing that can separate me from him. I know that by his grace I'm here. Yes, I don't have all my ducks in a row. I don't even own ducks. But Lord, I can come to you. I know that all is done in you. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm healed. I don't come with like, oh, I can't pray right now because right now I drove in the road and somebody cut me off and I, and I just I wanted to kill them. Or I'm in fear, or I'm not in faith, or I haven't prayed for three days. Years ago, somebody asked my dad this, another pastor called Arthur Mankies. Maybe some of you have heard of him before. And he said to my dad, Dave, if you haven't been with your wife in three or four days, you've been away, what's the overwhelming feeling that you have in your heart? My dad said, longing. He said, but if you haven't read your word in two or three days, why do you feel condemned? Why do you feel condemned? Shouldn't you feel longing? Because your very heart is still stuck in religion. Your very heart wants to earn His love and not live from His love. Because if I'm speaking, speaking from Him, I know I'm with Him. Where are you seated? In heavenly places. So I'm not speaking to God, I'm speaking from God. So my approach is different. I'm not speaking to get to Him, I'm speaking from Him. So when I'm looking at my circumstances, my situation, the things, I am seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. I don't get thrown out because he has a bad day or I have a bad day. So like I messed up this week, so I'm out and I'm going to repent. And I'm going to... Repentance means a change of mind. To shine light on it. So my repentance isn't, oh, I'm this worthless, worthless piece of junk and I can't approach him and I don't have everything and, and I, what's the seven steps I've got to do to get back to Jesus and I've got to wait for Sunday to repent and, and he needs to lay hands on me. No, in that very moment I'm with him. I'm seated in, in him. So my repentance is, hey, yeah, I might have had a rough week, but thank you Lord that you saved me. Thank you Lord that you set me free. Thank you God that that is there. And the moment I'm right there, I'm still there. I've never left it. I'm still with him. I'm still seated in him so that I can speak from that place. The very context of that is freedom. I'm free because he set me free. You know, yeah, let's read another one before we get there. Let's go to Colossians 2. I want to end with this. Galatians 2, verse 20, you know, might know the scripture. It says, It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Oh, so it's no longer I. It means his life is living through me, in me, with me. Romans 8, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells where? In me. I'm seated where? In heavenly places. I've got to know my position, who I am in Christ. And from that position, I can live, I can speak, I can declare. I'm not like those sons. Satan knows me. The devil knows me. Every demon knows me. Every principality and power knows me. So we're going to look at this quickly in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, let's read from verse 1. I'm going to jump here and there for three scriptures. Um, let's read from verse 1. It says, For I want, to know, uh, want you to know that, a great co- that I'm in a great conflict. I have... Um, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all the riches and the full assurance 
of the understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God. So why is he in conflict? He really wants them. He really wants to teach this to them. He wants to show them that they can have full assurance in their knowledge of God. Full assurance. Not half assurance, full assurance of who they are in God. He's in conflict with this. Both of the Father and of Christ. So having the mystery of the Father and Christ revealed to them. In whom all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest any of you should be deceived with persuasive words. So he's saying this because somewhere along the line, people come in, situations come, things, and deceive you from understanding of your full assurance of who you are in Christ. Things come and they deceive you and you think, mm, I don't know, maybe, maybe I've been praying for, for long for this thing or I've been le- believing for this thing and I'm not seeing it happen. Or I'm, What happens in your heart? That seed gets planted, the thing gets dropped and you're like, hmm, I don't know, maybe God, maybe you did something wrong. Maybe. He says, don't get deceived by that. Know who you are in Christ. Now listen to what he explains. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order in the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Here's my question. How did you receive Jesus? Did you go to a special class? Did did you have to fast at least seven days? And then you were ready? prepared you walk down if you did that way please come and talk to us so we can help you but the context is i didn't have a class i didn't go through these classes and then at the end of the class at the end of the course at the end of your your rituals then you could approach him with a cloth and just hiding in his no come on it didn't happen that way you sat somewhere you had some encounter with god whether it be in a church or in your home or with your family or with somebody and your heart was convicted and all you said is lord i receive you as my savior right in some other context you gave your life to god how through belief he says in the same way you received him so walk in him the same way you received him so walk in him how's that belief who are you walking in? In Christ. How do I walk in Him? By belief. I get up, I don't feel like it today, but I believe it. You didn't feel super spiritual the day you got saved. I remember my dad got saved, stole some, some twakis and some dachakis and some stuff here in his pocket. Went to the front and for still a few days afterwards he was still struggling with some of the stuff. But he realized his nature had changed and when he really tried to run away from God, he realized he didn't like those stuff anymore. And he got rid of the stuff and the stuff fell off of him. So the same way is when you walk in Christ, it's not about your feelings. It's not about the emotions. It's not about those things when you get up in the morning and you have a bad hair day. I made sure I didn't have one. Cut it all off. It's always good with Jesus. <laughs> hey, there's a, you also don't have any bad hair days. No, the context is, you don't, we get up in the morning and we don't maybe feel like it or we go through situations or things happen or the, the, the world economy gets touched and then we start walking by sight and not by faith. You know, I heard of people in grace, but it comes to healing. So, by grace, we take this, we have this, and then we pray for them, and I say, I don't feel healed. Huh? Shouldn't you be walking by faith, not by sight? How did you receive Jesus? You believed. So why do you want to receive your healing any other way? I heard this guy say once, and I'll never forget it. He says, there are sometimes miracles, but there are healing always. I always get healed. And sometimes there's an instant miracle. 
But we want to live by the instant miracle and not by the constants of who I am in Christ. Because if I who I am in Christ, I walk out the miracle sometimes in the that over the next three days I get healed. A guy called Arthur Blessed, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, he walked with the cross around the world. There was a whole documentary made of him, phenomenal guy. Now there are many guys who walk. Some of it I wonder if it's them or if it's really God. Because wherever this guy walked, people's lives really changed. He walked in the most craziest places and people got changed by him. But the day he received that, uh, a few days later, or the day or the few days later, he, he felt massive headache, he didn't feel well, he went to the hospital, they diagnosed him with, uh, with a few brain tumors. So he's lying in hospital, almost dying. His wife comes in and says, uh, listen, the, the doctors say it doesn't look good. He's lying there and he's really upset because God just told him to walk with the cross. Now he's in hospital. So he says, God, what is this? And God said to him, um, did I t tell you anything about a tumor? No. And he said, what are you doing in the hospital? Didn't I tell you to walk? He said, okay, I'm getting out. Booked himself out. His wife, family, really upset with him. Why is this guy, what is he doing? He says, I'm walking with a cross. We're starting tomorrow. And I said, you are not well. Look at you. Listen, this is a powerful testimony. Look at you. Now, if you look in the mirror, you probably didn't look in any mirror. Because if you looked in the mirror, you would see what they were talking about. <laughs> you didn't look in the mirror. Next day, he's there, got the cross. He walks three steps. He falls out, passes out. Falls down. People are freaking out. <laughs> he wakes up. They say, come on, you've got to go home. You're not well. He says, God, does anything about a tumor. I'm walking. Gets everybody calmed down, picks up the cross, starts walking, passes out again. I think it happened three times. He tells the story. It's a beautiful story. He, three times. They are freaking out. They say, you are, this, is, this is presumptuous faith. You are not. He says, no, I have a word from God. You hear the difference? Not, I'm trying to, no, I have a word from God. God said it. I believe it. He got up and started walking and never stopped. All the tumors got healed in a moment. They did tests on him later. There was no brain tumors anymore. Completely healed, completely set free because he had a word and he lived on that word, started speaking in line with what heaven was saying. In the very context of that, that is the power of God. That is the release of God. I speak what I've heard. What did I say to Jesus? What words are you saying? So I only hear what the Father is saying, so I'm speaking only what the Father is saying. I walk what the Father is doing. I live what the Father In Him I live and move and have my being. Colossians 2 goes on, and, and I don't have all the time to, to read through this, but he walk in Him. Um, yeah, the last piece I just wanted to touch on was there, was uh, at the end, verse 14. It says, yeah, let's read from verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. You know, everything you're still going to do is already forgiven. So that doesn't mean we, want, we, we should go and do something. By no means. By no means. Why do I want to go do something that is not in line with the Father? I will never do that because my nature has changed. What he's trying to say is don't worry that if you make a mistake, you'll be okay. He's not saying go and do it, I will forgive you. He's saying no, no, if you might do something, it's forgiven. It's free. You're set free. Why? Because of this. Having wiped out all the handwriting of requirements that was against us. 
which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Jesus took it out of the way. Having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, trying things over them in it. What did He do on the cross? He conquered every principality and power. Everything that was against you, that disqualified you, it took out of the way. And every enemy that could ever stand against you, he disarmed. Now, I have a, a big uh, imagination, so I, I know disarm was mean he took the arms away, or, or the, the swords away, but I see he disarmed them. <laughs> he disarmed the enemy. He's got no hold. The enemy's got no hold on you. He doesn't have a legal right because all sin was dealt with, and he doesn't have a physical right because his, his arms are taken off. He disarmed all principalities and power and made a public spectacle of them. You know, whenever I'm dealing with something in my life that comes against me, I go back to that scripture. Like Colossians 2 says, all principalities and powers has been disarmed and were made a public spectacle. So if you understand the context of a public spectacle, I, I know I say this a lot, and I'm probably next time I'm going to be here, I'm going to touch on this again. Because we've got to understand the enemy was dealt a blow. So when I'm speaking to somebody, I'm speaking to uh, one who was made a public spectacle of. What was the old day? How did they make a public spectacle? They cut off their thumbs and their toes, big toes. And they dragged them naked in front of their armies. They dragged him naked in front of his army, the general, the king. Then they put him up in front of him and then he made a spectacle of him. They stood the king, the one that ruled over that army. And they said, take the sword, Fight come but he couldn't because his thumbs are off they said come on attack us run he can't run he says now see your great commander he's a spectacle he's defeated you are defeated and all of you belong to us that's what they did to triumph over every nation what did jesus do he went into hell called satan out disarmed him and made a public spectacle of him in front of every sickness every disease every problem anything that could ever be and say you are defeated every single thing so when that thing comes and says, excuse me weren't you taken out on the cross have you forgotten my name in the name of jesus and do you know who i am you know who i am because I died in Christ and I am now risen. That means I triumph over you in Christ Jesus, over every sickness, every disease, everything. So when I'm speaking, I'm speaking from a place of authority because I know who I am in Christ. Does it make sense? And I don't stop speaking until I see a result. Not out of, out of legalistic law thing. No, I keep on speaking. I keep on declaring. I know this whole month you guys are going to be talking about this because I know who I am in Him. And if, I, if somewhere that doesn't feel right, I go back into the Word, because in the beginning was the Word. And I continue reading the Word until I get it, until I understand it. And, and if I don't, I'll read it over and over and over and over again. Because what is the Word? It's Jesus. It's Him. You know how many words I've, I've listened to on the context of the grace of God? Thousands of sermons. But I never stop listening to it, because I want to understand more more of who he is more of his power in my life understanding the word more and more and more and more in my life because it carries a power i want to see the fullness of god's glory break through on us as children of god the maturity of this is it making sense i'm done i don't want to keep you here for hours i i've realized that lately i'm, I'm cutting my service half 
because I just have too much to say. So I don't, I don't have an ending or a beginning. I just have one long thing, so I just chop it in pieces. <laughs> because it's so powerful of what God's busy doing right now. God wants to release a church that speaks from a place of knowing. We're not the seven sons. We're not walking and saying, the name of Jesus that, Paul, that Paul's talking about, we're trying to do some stuff. No, we know that we can declare and say, Corona, you will not come to our shores. In the natural, there, yes, it's in our shores, but I'm in, in the fullness of what it was in Europe. Can we believe for that? Yes, we can believe for that. We can believe that it will not affect our economy. We won't have a lockdown in our nation. We will see things happening and changing, and that number will not rise. But I see a lot of churches who are now scared, and we're getting ready. Yes, we've got to be vigilant. Absolutely awesome. Use your sanitizers. Wash your hands. Do your things. But speak the word more. My dad said years ago to a guy who was coming and said, yeah, but what about the, med the medication versus, versus faith? My dad says, use medication, but use faith more. So if, you, if you're taking tablets, three tablets a day, then pray four times a day. Just, just pray more. Just add more to it, what you're doing in your faith, and you'll see great results. We, we trust medication. When the doctor says, you do this, you do this, you do this. You do it, right? You go, you put that time, that time. Ah, ah, take my pillow. But our prayer life, how much of that do we do in that way? Not because of a legalism, because of the, I believe it. I believe the word. I read the word. I want to pray. I want to, I want to be in that because it has power. It has a life. It's something so powerful from that kind. So, Corona, you're not going to stop here. You're not stopping our nation. You, can, you have a little fluke right now, but it's done. And it, it, this is, you have a little stint in our, in our country, but we're not going that way. We're going to see our nation change. We're going to see the glory of God fill the earth. We, we're not... And yes, the kind of where people talk about end times, I'm not going to get into that right now, but people are in fear. So like, oh, is this the end? Is this the end? Is this the end? Is this the end? No, this is the beginning. We want to see God's glory fill the earth. We're going to see His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we haven't seen that, then Jesus prayed nonsense. Then He sucked out something out of His thumb. But He taught us how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even John goes on to say, as he is, so am I in the earth right now. As he is, so are you right now. Is God sick right now? Is he in fear right now? Does he have lack right now? No. Do we see it still in our life? Yeah, but somewhere it's got to change. I believe this decade is a decade of change. This is a decade of truly seeing the acts of God. What the, we saw in the, in the New Testament at a greater level. See people acting out, living out, seeing God's glory in their life, seeing the manifestation of that in an everyday capacity. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.